The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years. Makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Sportscaster and Her Son, where sports bridges the gap between generations from baby boomers to Generation X, Y, and Z, and everyone in between. I'm your host, Peggy Kaczynski, 12-time Emmy Award-winning sportscaster, most recently NBC Chicago for the past 17 years. And I'm Jason Canander, contributing writer for various websites, including Minor League Ball and Fan Sided's Busting Brackets into Windy City. And I'm in high school. What year? junior for the next three weeks, and then I'll be a senior. (laughs) So you might be listening to this during his summer break. We don't always get along. We are mother and son, but we both share a love of sports, and that does bridge the generation gap between us. So with the podcast, we try to cross over the generations, and we discuss sports from yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Today, we are going to talk about Michael Jordan, the baseball player. It was 25 years ago. I was working at Chicagoland Television in studios out of Oak Brook, Illinois, the western suburbs, when the news broke that Michael Jordan would sign a minor league contract with the White Sox. It had been rumored over the months prior to this. Ron Schuler was the White Sox general manager at the time. Here's a listen back to our coverage back in 1994, courtesy of Chicagoland Television. Michael Jordan steps up to the plate today before the media, his bid for the big leagues. Peggy Kaczynski joins us with a look at the at the big story. What's going on? Well, once again, Michael Jordan back in the spotlight, but it's not on the basketball court. It's in the baseball diamond. He is at the IIT Keating Sports Center right now, where is, he is taking batting practice. We're going to join CLTV's Lance McAllister, who among the many people that have been brought to this big debut is Mr. Cub himself. Lance? Thank you very much, Peggy. Michael has just wrapped up his batting practice, and as you mentioned, we're joined by Mr. Cub, Ernie Banks. Ernie, your impressions of MJ today. How did he look? Uh, he looked very good to me. I liked the way he swung. Uh, I like his uh, position in the batter's box. Uh, he was catching the flu five balls. I mean, I like his workout. I mean, he looks very good. He's very determined. But so much of the game is repetition and facing the pitching. At age 30, can he catch up? Yes, he can. I mean, there, there's always uh, things in our lives as athletes where people say we can't do, and that drives us to do it. And Michael's that type of kid. When you say he can't do something, he he really works hard to prove that you're wrong, and uh, that's what he's working on now. All the negative things, he's not dealing with that. He's dealing with all positive things. And I like that about him. His whole demeanor is positive thoughts, and that's a big factor in becoming a Major League Baseball player. It's good seeing you go play two. Thank you very much. Let's play two today, and tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Any day of the week, you can play two with Ernie Banks and the Chicago Cubs. Thank you. That's going to wrap it up from here. Michael holding his news conference. We'll get his thoughts later in the afternoon. Great, Lance. Thanks a lot. Lance, I do have a question for you, though. Yes. With all of this that is going on, the White Sox are indeed actually supposed to offer him a minor league contract. Are they not today? That is the speculation right now. We have not received confirmation on that. I'm heading over to the news conference when I wrap up with you. There is speculation that that could happen at some point this afternoon. We'll let you know when it happens. We're going to go to the press conference where Michael Jordan is right now at the IIT Sports Keating Center, and that is Ron Schuler, the Sox vice president and general manager. Senior vice president of Major League Operations and Michael Jordan here. We're going to start off with a short statement from Ron Schuler, then we'll open it up to questions. When we get to the question part, we want to try to keep it as smooth and orderly as possible, so we ask you to raise your hand, 
Michael will signal the next uh, question and we'll try to move it around the room so that no one dominates the questioning. But at this time, I'll turn it over to Ron Schuler. Thank you all for coming out here today and getting a glimpse of Michael. After watching the progress that Michael has made in the past two months, I'd like to announce that the Chicago White Sox are extending an invitation to Major League Camp in Sarasota. Uh, he'll be reporting there on the 15th with the catchers and the pitchers. And at this time, I'd also like to announce that we are signing him to a Nashville contract. Michael. So much has changed. Not to mention my hair. I'm going to say it before you do because for those, God, I wanted to say it. Such, I, I know that was 25 years ago. I was a, you know. Well, I'm going to stop you right there. I'm just glad that this is a podcast and not a video because <laughs> if the viewers and listeners at home had to look at your hair, I think we'd lose a lot of our fans. Thank you very much. Uh, Ron Schuler was the Sox GM before he handed that job over to Kenny Williams a few years after this happened. Ernie Banks was part of that story because Michael was working out um, nearby on um, IIT campus around there. And uh, so Mr. Cub was there to talk about. And um, the voices you heard, Hope Woodside, went on to be a longtime news anchor in uh, Salt Lake City. And Lance McAllister, now a longtime sports talk show host at WLW in Cincinnati. Now, Jason, I don't know if you've ever seen Michael Jordan playing basketball or playing baseball, but can you imagine the most famous athlete on the planet, most famous athlete at that time, chose to ride buses in the minor leagues of baseball? Not at all. Um, Obviously, MJ was a little before my time, but we still have athletes that at least try to be dual sport in any sport even playing two positions is hard enough um but i cannot imagine somebody that is at the highest level possible in a professional sport best player in the game somebody who we look at who i look at as the best player in the history of the game switching it up and going to one of the lowest levels possible in a professional sport i just to to be around back then would have been very interesting, but I think that if this were happened, I don't think that this would happen today. Well, you don't think that this would be like LeBron deciding right. after winning three championships to go on and play baseball. But the thing the thing is when we talk about hypothetical, you know, if LeBron played football, if, you know, this player played this sport, we think well, what if LeBron played for the Dallas Cowboys? We don't think, like, what if LeBron played in, like, the XFL? Whenever in our day and age we think of athletes playing different sports, we always think of the professional sport. We don't think, what if they played in the minor leagues, the G League, like I said, the XFL, the AA, AAA. We always try to picture them in our head playing professional sports, and that's why I think it would have been so interesting to be around back then, to see one of the most famous people in pop culture, most famous people in the city of Chicago, really in the history almost, considering what he did for the city, taking that big of a step back and playing in Birmingham for the Birmingham Barons. I, I think it would be very, very interesting, and I'm not at all surprised it didn't work out. Now, I, I covered Michael Jordan for his last three NBA titles. So I started at CLTV about 25 years ago, and it was like covering uh, the Beatles. It was like covering uh, a rock group. They were 
I can't even explain to you what it was like with the number of fans that crowded at the practice facility mm-hmm. or at the hotels where they were staying at on an everyday basis. It was crazy. So I'm I'm not going to be naive enough to think that he didn't bring a little bit of that star life with him. I'm sure there were things we don't know about. Um, I can't imagine he was, you know, sharing a, a place with, you know, five other guys. I don't know. I can, you know, only imagine. Um, but the mere fact, the work that he put into it is really what I think should be pointed out the most is that he knew he had to put work into it and he was willing to do it. That's what's so amazing. Right. And you have, I think that it's really odd to compare Tim Tebow to Michael Jordan, but that's the closest thing that we have right now. Uh, Much different circumstance. Tebow was out of the NFL when he decided to play baseball. He was a host on college game day. Um, I believe it was, or SEC Network, and he still is. But the thing with Tim Tebow, you don't see the work he put in. It wasn't like there was a big buildup. It was just like all of a sudden out of nowhere, Mets signed Tim Tebow, and now he's hitting below the Mendoza line in AAA. He's not going to make an impact at all, and I, I can only assume that it was the same idea with MJ. He, I don't think he was on any top prospects list. I don't think that people thought this was a guy that was going to save the Chicago White Sox. And it's the same way with Tim Tebow. It's so hard to pick up an entirely different sport 10 or so years after you played it. Yes, some of these guys played it in high school. I don't think MJ played baseball in high school. No, I don't think so, so either. It, it's so hard to pick up a sport. I, I just I can't imagine what it was like back then. So let's, let's do a little game. I'll name a two-sport or a multi-sport star, maybe from the past that you might not know about, and then you try to name someone more current, okay? So you brought up Tim Tebow. I'll tell you who I thought was the best two-sports star that I saw, and that was Bo Jackson. And the year before Michael Jordan made the switch to baseball, Bo Jackson had his historical comeback from hip replacement surgery. His athleticism was unbelievable. His, you know, running up the wall in the outfield, his moonshot home runs. He was the only player, both an all-star in baseball, Royals, White Sox, and Angels, and a pro bowler in the NFL at that time. He had the home run in the 89 All-Star game that was monstrous, 448 feet. To me, you know, Bo Jackson. That's why people said, you know, you, you wanted to be like Bo because Bo knows. Right. Mine has a little asterisk next to it, but I would go with, for my generation, Kyler Murray. Mm. Um, recent first overall pick in the NFL draft. draft A year before, um, picked, I believe it was eighth or ninth overall in the Major League Baseball draft by the Oakland Athletics. But the thing with Kyler is... I think, first of all, well, you were looking a year ago. Not many people knew who that was. Um, backed up Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma. I knew who it was because how much I studied the MLB draft and how deep I dive into college football. But he, that was a surprising pick. And the A's did it for a reason. They were going to have to go over the slot value. But I, I think that his decision to play football was the right decision because you look at Bo Jackson, running back, outfielder. Those are two positions where, okay, running back, you're going to carry the football and try to get yardage. That's not necessarily something where there's more to, that you need to learn every day. There's more film that you have to sit. That's not, yeah. it, it, it's a labor intensive position, but it's not exactly a high maintenance position. Same with the outfield. The outfield, you're going to put your best athletes out there, but it's not like he's pitching or catching. With Kyler Murray, 
yes, he's an outfielder, but he's also a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Quarterback is by far the most preparation in the NFL. You need to know your playbook inside and out. You need to know your opposing defenses. You need to be a good leader. It would not have worked for Kyler Murray to play both sports, and I don't think that he ever considered playing both sports. Yeah, he did it in college, but the one year that he did it, he was a backup at Oklahoma on the football field and was a star outfielder. So that would not have worked for him, and I think that as the competitive nature and the level of the athletes in professional sports continues to grow, the harder it's going to be to make it work playing two sports at once. And honestly, I'd be surprised if we get another Bo Jackson or Deion Sanders. Oh, and that was going to be my other one was Deion Sanders, prime time in the NFL, 53 interceptions, played wide receiver as well. So he played, you know, two ways uh, in, in the NFL, uh, pro football hall of fame, major league baseball played both football and baseball for nine of his 14 seasons. I mean, that to me was pretty amazing. And I remember covering him as well, you know, when he was with the Reds and talking to him about, you know, oh, when is he going to report now? When is he going to report? Oh, now when is he going to report for football? Now that it, it was incredible to see these athletes doing that back then. The other one that I would say that you obviously, you know, Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson was an incredible athlete. He played four sports uh, in college at UCLA, baseball, basketball, football, and track, much like Jim Thorpe, uh, the Olympic gold medalist who uh, also played football, basketball, and baseball. So um, you have anyone else that was more recent? Uh, No, you know. What about Frank Thomas? Yeah. He gave if, up football, though, right, after a right, year right, at right. Auburn. But if we're talking my generation, I think that, you know, James Winston pitched a couple games at Florida State. Uh, Johnny Manziel played baseball in high school and got drafted in the MLB draft. But when you look at Bo Jackson, one of the best players at the highest level possible in both sports, only person to be an all-star in baseball, pro bowler in football, you're just not going to get that again. I it's hard enough to play two positions at once. You see mm-hmm. Shohei Otani on the Angels throwing out his arm wasn't because he was playing two positions, but you saw he became a much better hitter once pitching was out of the question. And he was a much better pitcher before he was a good hitter. So when he was shelved with the with the elbow injury, he had Tommy John surgery in the offseason, but they decided to keep him in the lineup as a designated hitter, his home runs went up. His hard hit rate went up. Because I think that for you need to remember these guys are humans. Right. The human mind can only take so much. The human body can only take so much. So many people put their heart and soul into preparing for one sport to play one position and they fall short. It has to be 10 times as hard to have to do that for two sports, especially a sport. Baseball and football, those seasons overlap. Well, every sports season pretty much overlaps. Now they do, yeah. Major League Baseball playoffs, I remember the 30 for 30 on Deion Sanders. He was playing in high leverage NFL games, I think it was middle weeks of the season, those games, every game in the NFL matters, but those games matter more so than the first four. And then he's playing in the National League Championship Series for the Atlanta Braves. So as a human being, I'm amazed that it was able to happen back then, but now it's the combination of injury concerns, competitiveness. The athletes today aren't like the athletes of before. Everybody says the athletes of today would absolutely be the superstars in sports 70 years ago if you were to put them in because the preparation the focus on the body we we just didn't know as much as we do now back then right we didn't know how the body functioned we didn't know how 
how to refuel and replenish. Now that we know these things, we're able to get as much possible out of each athlete. It, I've said it a million times, it will not happen again. I'll give you two more from your generation, Russell Wilson and Jeff Samarja. They both played. And Colin Kaepernick. Oh, that's right, and Colin Kaepernick. But that's the right. thing is, none of those three, Russell Wilson goes to spring training every year. It's kind of a gimmick. Jeff Samarja dropped football, even though he would have been about a second-round pick. And Colin Kaepernick didn't really do much in baseball after he was in the NFL. So it, those three examples, and even a guy like Tim Tebow, who is only playing one sport now, but it's not a natural sport for him, there's not a good track record at all. There are two outliers, and it's Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders, I guess. I'll give you a couple other names, and then we'll wrap this up. We'll bring somebody in who can uh, give us a little uh, history of Michael Jordan and look back because he was there when Mike MJ was playing baseball. But here's a couple more names and doing a little bit of research about the multi-sport athletes. John Elway, uh, I mean, obviously two-time Super, Super Bowl quarterback, but I didn't know that he was drafted by the Yankees. Yeah, and I believe... Another former Yankee, Dave Winfield, yes. I believe it was, yes. played three sports. Yes. Only player to be drafted. I could be wrong. In three sports, it was the NBA, the MLB, obviously, was his primary sport, and then the NFL. And he didn't even play college football. And he didn't play college football. So, yeah, again, One of my favorites, though, ago. Tom Glavin, Hall of Fame pitcher with the Braves, was also drafted to play hockey by the L.A. Kings. Right? He was drafted by the Kings ahead of two Hall of Famers, Brett Hall and Luke Robitaille. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. I love when it's sports that you don't expect. And you know what? I'm going to throw one more out there. Tony Romo, um, football, golf. Um, I think what he shoot? He shot, he shot like a 78 the other day. Um, see, even golf. Every, all, every athlete plays golf in the offseason. But it's still so hard to make it work after the beating your body takes from one sport to try to pick up another one. This just goes back to my point. It, it won't happen again. All right. I want, to, I want to get an idea of what Michael Jordan was like 25 years ago because you laugh at me and what I looked like 25 years ago. Let's talk to someone who actually was <laughs> there 25 years ago when MJ was trying to learn how to hit a fastball. Steve Gilbert, the Arizona Diamondbacks beat writer for MLB.com. You can find him on Twitter at Steve Gilbert MLB. Steve, what in the world did you have to do with Michael Jordan 25 years ago? Yeah, it's, well, first off, it's good to be with you guys, and it's hard to believe it's been 25 years. Um, but I, I was uh, I interned with the White Sox uh, in their PR department in 1993, and uh, when that internship ended at the end of December, uh, we're heading into that 1994 where there was the everyone kind of knew the baseball strike was coming or some kind of labor dispute was coming. So it was a bad time to be looking for a job in baseball. So I came back to Arizona and I knew some people that had that were working at the Arizona Fall League and they asked if I would be interested in doing PR for the Arizona Fall League uh, in 1994. And at the time, of course, the, the Arizona Fall League wasn't getting much publicity. So it was more about how to uh, generate publicity. Uh, and then when it turned out that Michael Jordan was coming to the Fall League, it, it ended up being managing a lot of requests and, and being a, an overwhelming task uh, as opposed to what I initially thought it might be. You know, what's interesting when I was looking back through the notes, it's funny how much I couldn't remember about covering the, this whole story but one of the things on my introduction at CLTV 25 years ago was I mentioned that 
Michael was offered a contract by the Hickory Crawdads the year before. And we were all under this impression now that the reason he was playing or looking to play baseball was because his father, James Jordan, had just died. But he was offered a contract the year before. So uh, help me understand how this all came about with Michael. Well, I, you know, the, the specifics I'm not sure about, but I do remember that when, uh, you know, his actual announcement that he was retiring from, from basketball came out during, if I'm not mistaken, game one of the uh, American League Championship Series between the, the White Sox and, and uh, Blue Jays. So it's just kind of ironic that I was the one that, that was making the copies at that time as an intern of the uh, press release to pass out in the press box. And then, uh, you know, a year later I was working with him in the Arizona Fall League. But um, <laughs> I, I do I do think that he was probably a little burnt out on basketball. I, I think that, uh, you know, he had won three championships in a row. He had had the loss of his father. I think, I think he needed a break. I think he needed to take a step back and um, – you know, baseball was something that he'd always talked about. I, I from what I understand, with his dad, so um, it, it kind of seemed like because he's such a competitor, Peggy, and you, you know, you know that. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think it was is going to be easy for him to just um, sit back and do nothing, as we've seen from his post uh, playing career. It's hard for him to just kind of sit back and do nothing. Right. So, what my question would be is. What was MJ like back then? Because you see the NBA players today and, you know, they walk into the games with, like, big outfits and everybody's everybody's a celebrity. And I can't imagine it was too much different back then. But minor league baseball, there's no way it was anything like that. So what what was that adjustment like for MJ? And did he still carry himself like a superstar NBA player? Or did he kind of have to go down to a minor league mindset and act yeah. like everybody else. Are you, like, did he still have his driver, or was he actually really <laughs> taking the bus? Yeah. That, right? Well, yes. Well, well, the, his driver, the first couple of days was me um, <laughs> getting him to and from practice. I, I shouldn't even say that. I, I Actually, I picked him up at the airport and took him to his hotel the first day, um, and then he wanted me to ride with him for a couple of days until he got comfortable with, with what route he wanted to take. But I did the riding and he did the driving. Uh, in fact, by the time I dropped him off uh, at night, late one night, and by the morning, the next morning, he had two cars there uh, that had been delivered for him to use. So um, <laughs> he, but but when it came to terms of like riding the buses between uh, between the cities here and in, in the fall league, um, he he rode the bus just like everybody else. Um, and I, I'll tell you a funny story that that. Um, that I tell people is, you know, we were taking a bus down to Tucson. We were playing a, a special game down in Tucson. Um, they no longer had a fall league team down there, but they wanted to play an exhibition because they knew they could, you know, draw quite a few people. So I had gone to uh, to the store before getting on the bus, and I had stopped at the ATM machine, and, and that's still a relatively big deal back in 25 years ago, the ATM machine, and I'd gotten $40 out, and I'd bought a pack of gum, so I had about $38 left in my pocket, and I'm sitting on a bus reading a book in the front of the bus, and um, Michael comes up to the front of the bus, and he says, hey, do you have any money I can borrow? Because they were playing cards in the back of the bus. Of course they were. And so I said, well, all I've got is $38, and at that time, it's like, you know, you... Ballpark 
parks didn't necessarily have ATMs, and I was going to need to eat down in Tucson. And so I'm like, I got $38, man, but it's all that I have right now. And he's like, Steve-O, I'm good for it. Give me the money. So I, I can always say that I loaned Michael Jordan money, but it is true. By the time we got down there and the security detail you know, t- was behind the bus, um, he had plenty of money and handed me uh, 220s and said not to forget that I owed him $2. So, um, <laughs> But that was... I can always tell people that I did loan Michael Jordan money. What was it? The, was it like uh, the whole? I was trying to explain to Jason that covering Michael Jordan in the Bulls, it was rock star status. It was uh, unbel- to this day. I still don't see the number of people that would would swell in the lobby of a hotel on the road or um, after their practices outside the practice facility. What was it like? Just the reactions. Just the number of people. I mean, you said that it all of a sudden the attention was was thrust on the league, but what was it like in terms of interest and people coming around? It was, I've never seen, you know, and I've been around, you know, big-time baseball players, whether it was Frank Thomas the year before, even Bo Jackson with the White Sox. But when people saw Michael Jordan, it, it wasn't just kids. It was like grown men that would just lose their mind. Um <laughs> When they saw him, and you know, you'd be driving down Camelback Road, which is a big, big thoroughfare here in Phoenix, and he'd be driving, and someone would pull up next to us in the car, and the guy would look over, and he would see us, Michael Jordan, and you know, at a stoplight on a busy street, and just jump out of his car for an autograph. You know, I mean, they're just. I, I'd never seen somebody have that kind of pull over people, over over adults. Um, and still to this day, have not seen that same kind of reaction. He just had the ability, and you know, he could sit with people and make you feel like you were special and you were unique, and that you somehow were coming away from this conversation with something that you know, when he did interviews that nobody else had had before. And I mm-hmm. sat in on a lot of these interviews that he would do, and and you know, it was the same answer. And that's that's not a knock on him. I mean, they're. they're he gets the, the same question a lot, and so he'll give the same answer. But people, the reporters then would walk away feeling like, wow, that was one of the best interviews I ever had. Just because he just had, there was just something about his persona and just the way he carried himself. So let's talk about MJ's baseball player now. <laughs> um, when we kind of look back on this, everybody knows it. He played baseball. That's what's talked about is, you know, he took two years, I think it was, off from basketball and committed himself to baseball. What we don't talk about is his production in baseball. So what can you tell us about how was Michael Jordan as a baseball player in the field, in the lineup? What sort of impact did he make? Yeah. Yeah. You know, he he never looked like a baseball player in uniform. I don't know. There was always something that just looked a little awkward about him in a baseball uniform. And I, I don't know if that's just because I was so used to seeing him in a basketball uniform or what. But I will I will say this for him. He outworked everybody else on that team um, when he was here. The, that never changed about him. The extra hitting, uh, the wanting to learn, uh, the taking extra fly balls. I mean, it wasn't just like a, a something that he did and as a whim uh, and wasn't going to work hard at it there there was a there was a work ethic and you could see that in him and even in baseball and what made him so great is he just never 
stopped. He wanted to win at everything he did, whether it was dominoes or cards or, or you know, playing baseball. And he was going to give it everything that he had. So he put in a lot of extra time in the cage, a lot of extra time on the field, a lot of time talking to coaches. Um, so that was that was kind of a refreshing thing for me to see. Is just this wasn't something he was doing as you know a, a lark and just kind of hey this is going to be fun. I'm gonna you know not put a lot of effort into this. He took it very seriously, and I think that's sometimes why you hear people like Terry Francona um, to this day still praise him because they felt like you know Terry's a lifer in, in the game of baseball. But I think he felt like Michael really respected the game and the way he, he went at it and, and the way he worked at it. So um, I think that earned him a great deal of respect from, from baseball people who may have not uh, believed in him at first. One of those guys I do remember was the Sox hitting coach, uh, Walt Reniak. Very, you know, stone cold, stodgy. I'm here with the big leaguers. I work with the big leaguers. I got to work with this guy who wants to come over and thinks anyone can play baseball and came away incredibly impressed with Michael's work ethic. Uh, Was always on time, if not early. Uh, Would put in double sessions uh, in the cage if needed to be. Uh, He he really, he didn't take time off. He he didn't get treated like a star when it came to that, did he? No, and like I said, he rode the bus like everybody else. Um, He was on time, expected to be on time like everybody else. Um, and, you know, there were times after games when he would go down into the, the, the batting cage and be the only one down there with, with a coach throwing to him just because he was determined to, to, to get better and, and to, you know, to make that work. Um, it didn't end up working for him, um, but he did, he did put in the effort, and it wasn't something where he just came in and, and disrespected the game or, or anything like that. He took it very seriously. Um, obviously you're out in Arizona covering the Diamondbacks, but last month Kyler Murray was picked first overall by the Cardinals. Another two-sport star. Obviously he's picked football. Um, what kind of similarities can you draw between Michael Jordan and Kyler Murray? Um, obviously completely different scenarios, but Kyler Murray was a little bit more of a star in both, whereas Michael was so, so good at basketball, and nobody knew him as a baseball player. So, um, what do you kind of how, how can you relate the story of Michael Jordan back when he tried to play baseball to what's going on in 2019 right now with Kyler Murray? Yeah, I think the Kyler Murray thing is going to be fascinating to watch. Um, I, it's amazing to be talented enough to play just one sport, but to be able to play multiple sports and be and be so good at it um, is something that is just it's really hard to kind of wrap your mind around. And I think, you know, that, that he faced a, a, a tough decision there between football and baseball, and time will tell whether or not that's the right decision. But I think it's, it's also going to be interesting to see if he doesn't have success on necessarily on the, on the football field, does he try to go back to baseball? Is there a part of him that, that, you know, a few years from now will say, wow, I really should have tried baseball and, and maybe go back to baseball? Uh, I'm assuming if he has a lot of success in, in football, uh, that we won't see him go back to baseball. That you know, Michael had that success in basketball and wanted to take a chance on baseball. I don't think we'll see that. Um, but I, it'd be interesting to see if he would come back to baseball if, if his football career doesn't pan out quite the way he wants it to. Tim Tebow, you think you'll we'll ever see him up in the majors? No, no. That's a great <laughs> question. 
that's a great question. He's another guy who who seems like he's putting in the work. Um, but baseball is such a it's such a difficult sport, and there's so many little aspects to it. And and hitting a baseball is so difficult that that people that spend their entire lives dedicated to that twenty four seven, it it seems like it's very hard for them to then kind of pick it back up after after an absence. You know, I think Bo Jackson at least. Um, you know, was playing baseball throughout his college career and, and still um, before, you know, not just picking it up after leaving it for a few years. I think that makes it very difficult, especially hitting a baseball when you haven't done it for, for a certain number of years. Steve, before we let you go, there is a hilarious story about you <laughs> playing pickup basketball with Michael Jordan. Not many people can say they got to play pickup basketball with the greatest of all time, but yours is quite funny. Before we leave, can you share what happened in your pickup games with Michael? Yeah, I, you know Terry Francona and I would get together um, a lot of times, and and uh, you know in the evenings and just have dinner and, and talk and catch up. And um, one night we were supposed to get both to have dinner, and he said, "Hey, we're going to go play some basketball instead." And I said, "Okay." He goes, "Yeah." It's going to be you, me, and MJ, and the coaches against some players. And I thought, wait, what? <laughs> you know. Um, and so we ended up over at Club Bar, which is a, a health club over in Scottsdale, not far from Scottsdale Stadium. And uh, I remember, you know, at this point, I'd been around Michael probably a month and a half, and so it wasn't quite as you know jarring to see him as it was the first time. Um, because, you know, I grew up in Chicago. I grew up a Bulls fan. And so when I saw him for the first time, it was like kind of like a cartoon character has come to life in front of you, you know, that kind of reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was sitting on the court stretching, and, and in walks Michael, and he's, he's wearing his North Carolina shorts and, and a tank top. And I thought, oh, my God, that's Michael Jordan, because he never really looked like Michael Jordan in a baseball uniform. But then when I saw him all of a sudden in his basketball outfit, I was like, wow, you know, Michael Jordan again. So the, the bottom line is I had not had much chance to exercise in that two- or three-month stretch because we were getting ready for this onslaught of, of Michael Jordan coming to the Fall League. Plus, I'm not a great athlete anyway to begin with. And then they did you play high school? Did you play high school basketball? I played high school baseball, uh, and I played some some pickup basketball, but obviously nothing to this level. And they have me guarding um, Curtis Goodwin, who had stolen 40 bases the year before (laughs) at Double A. So. I think I spent most of the game kind of clutching on to his shirt and being dragged around. But um, so. Long story short, at the end of this game, um, I could not catch my breath. <laughs> and, I, and probably because I can't remember breathing during the whole game, you know, just being so nervous being on the court with Michael Jordan that uh, I couldn't catch my breath. And the trainers who were there, I mean, everybody was there. Nomar Garciaparra was, you know, was there taking videos because he was in the fall league at that time. Nobody knew who he was. Uh, young shortstop by the name of Derek Jeter was there because wow. um, he was playing in the fall league. Oh, my god! So, uh, anyway, so the trainer said, you know, I, I'd feel a little bit better if you, if you went to the hospital and got checked out. 
And I said, well, I can't go to the hospital because here I am thinking to myself, I just played basketball with Michael Jordan. I can't wait to tell people that I played basketball with Michael Jordan. But I can't finish the story by saying, oh, yeah, and by the way, I ended up in the hospital. Um, but they said, no, you have to go. So one of Michael's security guys took me over to the hospital. And it's a Sunday night at the Scottsdale Memorial Hospital. So there's a ton of people in there, of course. But whatever he said to the receptionist, all of a sudden I've got my own private little area and I've got an <laughs> oxygen mask. And I'm laying there and all these all these nurses and doctors are coming in and going, Hey, you play basketball with Michael Jordan? Hey, what's that like? You know, what's that like? And here I am, you know, I got an oxygen mask over my face. And so Bob Green Bob Green, you know, wrote a book about and this was one of the things he talked about because he thought it was so funny, is that at the end I took the oxygen mask off my face finally, and I said, what's it like? I'm in the freaking hospital. That's what it's like playing basketball with Michael Jordan. So every time I tell somebody I, I played basketball with Michael Jordan, I always have to kind of say, yeah, and by the way, I ended up in, in the hospital at the end. So. Oh, I love it. I love it. Steve, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Steve Gilbert. And we can find out uh, some more of Steve's writings. He's the Arizona Diamondbacks beat writer. Check him out on MLB.com or on Twitter at Steve Gilbert MLB. Take care. I love stories like that from Steve Gilbert because <laughs> for those of us who cover the teams, there are always pickup basketball games going on at training camps, at um, spring training, and everyone tries to relive their high school glory days, <laughs> but not often do you get to do it against Michael Jordan. Man, that is awesome. All right, Jason, give us a couple of things to look forward to. All right, three things to look forward to. Summer coming up, so um, start out with the sports prediction. One of my friends was actually telling me the other day how funny it would be if the Stanley Cup Finals were the Sharks against the Hurricanes because Sharknado. So I'm going to predict that that's what's going to happen. Second would be um, golfing this summer. Going to cut that handicap down to single digits. Mm. Um, Very committed. And then my third prediction, um, you know, I really, I don't really have a third prediction. That you're just going to take some time off then. You don't have to. That's I don't want to take time off. So, you know, actually, my prediction is going to be that. Um, you don't have one. That's my prediction. I don't, don't have one. Have, I don't have one. That's fine. I love it. I love it. Hey, let's end on this because this was such a fun show. Um, I think I'm funny. You don't think I'm funny. No, I'm actually beyond surprised that you <laughs> double minored in comedy. I don't know who determined <laughs> what your majors and minors could be, but I can't imagine they kept their job for much longer. Okay, so here's my final thoughts. We teach our kids that the star's the limit. The sky is the limit. You can reach for those stars. You can do anything that you put your mind to. I still teach my soon-to-be 11-year-old daughter that every single day she can be whatever she wants to be. I taught that to Jason and his twin brother. But be careful what you teach your kids. When Jason and his twin Shay were in primary school, they were learning about the planets. And they had to do a mobile of the solar system. It was awesome. I mean, I can still picture it today, hanging from the ceiling with all of the planets attached to it. And it really helped you guys learn science. But in teaching them about the planets... We would quiz them each night. 
What planet has rings on it? What planet is closest to the sun? You and your brother knew all of the answers. Until I asked, which is the smelly planet? And you were stumped. You both looked at us confused. Uranus, I said, laughing, because I thought that was the funniest, and I thought I was the funniest mom around. You guys did not find it funny. I didn't know what you are talking about. <laughs> you still don't find it funny. You yelled at me every time I would say, what's the smelliest planet? Even when I told your librarian the story and we were laughing, you guys were mad at me. So I leave everyone with this. Tell your kids that the sky is the limit, that they could reach for the stars. Just don't tell them that Uranus is the smelly planet. They may never forgive you. Our thanks to Chicagoland Television for the news and sports page clip of Michael Jordan's baseball debut 25 years ago. Our thanks to our guest, Steve Gilbert. You can find him at Steve Gilbert MLB on Twitter and his stories on the Diamondbacks at MLB.com. Adam Yaffe, thank you so much for your expertise in driving the show. Artwork and logo designed by Shay Canander. Subscribe to our podcast, The Sportscaster and Her Son, on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you listen. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and thesportscasterandherson.com. You can find my stories on Fanside and my mom's on NBCChicago.com. Thank you for listening. See you later, everyone. The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years. Makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world. <laughs> I love it. <laughs>